It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Visit them online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us as he does every Thursday from The Athletic, he's our friend Sam Amick. Sam, how are you? Doing good, guys. How are you doing? Hey, we are doing great. Uh, saw you just uh, released, I, I think it was about 15 minutes ago, an, your anonymous NBA poll talking to GMs uh, about some concerns coming back. Would encourage everybody to jump on and, and read it. But give us a few thoughts on, on what you learned talking to these guys, Sam. Yeah, I mean, kind of a mixed bag of, of kind of, you know, feelings from different GMs. And it was, it was 10 out of the 22 whose teams are going to Orlando, or scheduled to go to Orlando. Uh, I mean, you know, there were a handful that were simply very impressed with what the NBA has done and felt fairly confident that it would work. And then you certainly ran into others with graver concerns. Um, Tried to get into some of those details and those subplots, you know, everything from a lot of concern about the way that family and friends will be handled. And for anybody who's not aware, for the players, they are not allowed to have any family or friends be with them in, on the Orlando campus until after the first round. And then at that time, each team can uh, reserve an additional hotel room for, uh, basically for each player on the roster. And so you are beholden to the room occupancy numbers. So kind of unofficially, like, you know, four family members and friends who would have to go through rigorous quarantine testing, all those things. And, and so the concern there with the players is just where are their heads going to be at? You show up in mid-July. Uh, you don't get to see anybody from your personal circle uh, for quite some time. That, you know, it's going to be uh, seven weeks, I think. So, I mean, that, that's something that has worried teams and they're pushing to, to have more family and friends allowed maybe in the first round. Um, but then the other thing that gets overlooked is, and since I was talking to the GMs, is that, all NBA personnel, including GMs, they don't get to have any family or friends for the entire thing. And so if you're a team that gets to the NBA finals, you might go three months without seeing your family. Um, I know it's really easy for, like I can already hear the fans listening, rolling their eyes and saying, oh, they make so much money. But I think sometimes it's just too easy to forget that these are people and these things matter. So those were a few of the, the many things we got into, but you know, certainly a lot of concern about about the rising cases and where this whole situation is going. Along those lines, Sam, I really liked your tweet, and uh, I like it so much I'll read it and then get your uh, reaction. Uh, by the way, can we please stop calling it a quote-unquote bubble? Disney employees who won't be tested will be coming in and out. As one GM put it, quote, it is by definition no longer a bubble, and so even the illusion of a safer environment is gone. That's... Uh, that's got to be a concern. Uh, will those Disney employees be kept far enough away from the players that it will not necessarily be an issue? That's the plan. Uh, but, you know, I, listen, I, I'm always careful to not 
you know, we all run around like want to be experts on COVID-19 these days. But what I've read, what I've learned, we actually had a doctor on our podcast this week to really uh, kind of elevate the conversation is that, you know, every, you know, aerosol version of the virus can, you know, in, in a closed in, uh, space, it can hang in the air for quite some time, 10, 15 minutes. And um, so to me, keeping Disney employees away from the players, it's not a foolproof plan to keep them safe. Uh, the, you know, the virus can live on surfaces for quite some time. And so that's, you know, I'm not trying to say that the whole thing is not going to work. I obviously don't know, but I am obviously a little irritated by the, the bubble terminology only because it just sets the uh, the bar too high. I think it's, it's designed when you use that word to rest people's anxieties and to convince them that, you know, that the league has got, you know, that they've got the, the plan here and it's going to definitely work. And it's just, it's not a bubble. The Disney employee union is very strong. They have like 60,000 employees. And, and if the NBA could have its way, I'm sure they would love to quarantine those people and have them be tested, but that's not going to be the case. And so uh, it's hard because it's funny in real time here. I was just kind of debating this on Twitter with, Ben Dowsett, who does a lot of jazz coverage, and then he can write partly for Forbes, and uh, and you're neck of the woods, and and my thing, and he was arguing that that it's 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 so much safer than an everyday environment. But the part where you lose me is, um, you know, I, I'm not playing basketball every day and sweating on other people and breathing on them, and that's a major thing because the thing is, you you could let's say one of the Disney employees gets it, doesn't know it, somehow one of these players contracts it, you know, in the morning right after they tested negative. Um, you're only getting tested once a day. So it is conceivable that you could somehow pick up the virus inside the campus, uh, go the entire day, play an NBA game, infect dozens of people, and you're not going to know it until the next day. They're not testing every hour. Uh, that's obviously not very practical. And so, you know, I would definitely not agree that it's safer than, than everyday life because, you know, staying in your house and going to the grocery store is, is uh, you know, that's not what we're talking about here. Sam Amick of The Athletic with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Do you believe the NBA has an expectation or a threshold maybe uh, as far as infections go? I have to imagine they do. They haven't shared it. You know, I'm, honestly, I, I, I don't know. I wish Adam Silver would start doing more media right now. Uh, he's done a few appearances on TNT and ESPN, uh, but he's done one conference call with the rest of the media since the pandemic happened, and this really hasn't offered much insight into his thinking other than what we hear from these conference calls and things like that. And so I, I don't have clarity on what their threshold would be, and I, I have to imagine they have one. Um, you know, obviously, their baseline response right now is if somebody gets sick, it's certainly not going to bring the whole playoffs to an end. They would quarantine that person. They would do contact tracing to establish how widespread any possible infection might have been. And then, you know, carry on with with the games. And But you can see where it, it just wouldn't take much for that to spiral out of control. And I'm sure that they've got some unofficial protocol on that front internally 
So, Sam, as you talk to these uh, various insiders around the league, GMs and whatnot, uh, or did they have other any other concern that really struck you as being something that was something for uh, the greater audience to worry about? Um, I, I just think that one of the, the main threads, guys, was the lifestyle stuff and the mental health stuff. It was actually, ironically, there were a lot of people saying, you know, the virus itself is not the number one concern. I know that sounds crazy, but they they feel like, geez, we're being tested so much and and we're so secluded. And so we'll see. So let's let's give them that for the sake of the argument. You know, their point was that it's as one GM put it, I thought this was really smart terminology. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to remember it accurately. He said that these players are not familiar with the psychology of deployment, which in, not in any you know million years will we be comparing pro sports to military service. But I think the part that does land for me is these guys are used to traveling a lot, but they're typically never gone more than you know 12, 13 days, and. Now you have no home games. And so everything I kind of alluded to earlier, there's concern about the quality of play uh, and kind of the impact that these restrictions might have on the player's state of mind. Whether you're a family man, you know, Joe Ingles who can't see his family, uh, you know, and and it's maybe tugging at him a little bit. And, in fact, he's actually a perfect example. I forget how long ago, last season or the season before, you know, he shared the stories about how uh, he had family things happening that distracted him and made it hard to focus on his work. And, you know, that that's a real human element, and I can see that impacting someone with a family who hasn't seen their kids in seven, eight weeks. Um, the other side of that is if you're a single guy, and, uh, you know, this is a G-rated program, but, like, you got, you know, you got 20-something-year-old millionaire athletes who are used to being able to, to see women and, you know, do their thing, and then that's not part of it. You're going to have no social life. You're going to be looking at NBA 2K and ping pong every single day. And not only that, you have the social justice side, which is probably some anxiety caused by, you know, the guys that, that may have gone to a rally, the guys who may have, you know, tried to use their voices in different ways. They're going to feel very constrained, and that is for safety reasons, obviously. But the, the, the worry basketball-wise is that it's going to lead to guys just unofficially deciding that they just want to go home. And so, you know, it's funny because tanking is usually something that we attribute to front offices and owners. It's like, a you know, it's a systemic way of improving your draft odds. This concern is, is more like, are we going to have players who just decide that they don't care and they don't want to be there? And, and if they lose, they can go home. And, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I thought it was a pretty fascinating question. Huh. Sam, in the Western Conference, what is the likelihood someone catches Memphis uh, in that eight spot? And I, I think just because eight games is so few and because those those teams will not be favored in the majority of the games they play in, how likely is it that we see, say, Zion Williamson play his way in? I mean, I don't. the numbers are escaping me. Can you remind me, Jake? I don't know if, if you've got the closest. Yeah, give me a moment. Yeah, yeah, I'll bring that right up. I mean, I think it's uh, like three and a half. Um, behind Memphis, and the way the play-in tournament works is that you. And I'm, I'm trying to remember here. Uh, I think you've got to be within four games to um, qualify for the play-in tournament. Where right. the ninth-place team 
you know, would then have a shot to upend the eighth-place team and take that spot. And it's double elimination for the eighth-place team, single elimination for the ninth-place team. So I could 100% see it happen in the West. Uh, the East is a different story. It, it just seems laughable that, I, I mean, really, and, and again, this was in the story, there's GMs who don't think that this should be a 22-team tournament. Uh, they, you know, that whether it's 16 or 20, you know, the, Washington being six games back of Orlando in the East, when you have eight games, like, what? how motivated are those Wizards players going to be? Davies Bertans already decided not to play because he's going to be a free agent this summer. You know, Washington is getting propped up as kind of the poster team for why this thing is a bad idea to have this many teams. Same thing for Phoenix, which is six games back of Memphis. Uh, those two teams should not be in this thing, but they are. And, you know, but but on the West, I could definitely see a New Orleans or a Sacramento or one of those, Portland, you know, taking that spot that Memphis has right now. And yeah. you're right, well, Sam. By the way, for the record, they're, they're three and a half back, Portland, New Orleans, and Sacramento. Yeah. One of the interesting things is uh, it, it tethered with that a little bit, uh, Sam, but also straight up to the top teams in the league. We just had uh, Quinn Snyder on, and he he talked about getting his team back together and moving forward almost like a fresh start. And when you get a fresh start, it makes me wonder whether a team will perform differently than it did over the first 63-64 games. Uh, I I, I don't polar pollsters would probably tell you no that that sample size is fairly definitive, but I'm curious to find out who responds not just with sort of a second chance, but in with all these this environmental stuff that you've been talking about for the past few minutes. Who is going to respond? Who's going to handle that sort of uh, mental health aspect better than someone else? I I think it's more than just talent at this point. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Gordon. Uh, it, it's just—it's more than just talent at this point. There's yeah. all these other factors, yeah. and who's going to respond to that, and who isn't? I agree. Uh, it's interesting, you know. The Clippers had this motto; they're trying to live by the win the weight. And, and and I don't know if I'm connecting dots that don't exist, but I thought it was interesting that uh, I don't believe they've had any positive tests. And so, the thought that crossed my mind was: Do you attribute that to? I don't know, maybe their guys were just more responsible and more disciplined because there have been players getting on courts. You know, Buddy Heald uh, of the Kings, who was tested positive, was playing pickup ball in Oklahoma, and there was social media video of this recently where it worried people when they saw it, and then you see the reason for the worry. Nikola Jokic in Denver, you know, was, was hanging out with, uh, with the tennis star Djokovic, and they both got it, you know. Now, so did the Clippers handle this with more care, and now they already get the benefit of zero positive tests? And, and do they have some sort of mental fortitude that might serve them well with their culture uh, in, in Orlando? I mean, I could see it because I agree. It's mental. It's physical. The physical stuff could be a train wreck because there's a lot of concern about soft tissue injuries, obviously. Um, and even as an extension of that, I had an agent call me yesterday, and he was talking about another fascinating element here, which is like the coaches and maybe the GMs too. Some of them who might have tenuous job security positions are frustrated because ultimately they're going to be held responsible for what happens in Orlando, which if you're them, your job is like, you know, even in normal times, 
it's really challenging to have so much of what impacts the success of your job be outside of your control. How dedicated is my star player? How, you know, on point is my staff? Things that you cannot unilaterally control. Well, now that's on a different scale. If you're a coach, you know, you want your team to do well, but the idea that maybe somebody gets fired on the back end of this thing because they didn't get the job done is going to frustrate you as a coach because these are unprecedented circumstances. So I agree, and, and I think that, you know, that's where, I don't know, the whole debate about is there going to be an asterisk on this champion or these playoffs? In the beginning I said no. Now I, I just think that we might see with our own eyes how different these times are and, and the impact on the game itself, the quality of the play, and, and how these guys move through this space. And I think, uh, you know, that's a really fair question to raise. Sam, thank you very much as always. We look forward to your conversation every week. Of course. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Sam. Sam Amick from The Athletic with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Sam actually released that GM survey yesterday. I apologize for that, but uh, I would encourage anybody to jump on The Athletic and uh, and give that a look. Uh, Sam's really, really good. And is this thing uh, uh, broken down inside and out? Yes, uh, thoughtful stuff there from Sam, you know, uh, about various concerns heading into this. What do you make of, of players not wanting to be isolated like that from family members? Do you think that's an indication of being soft, or do you think uh, you're darn right? Uh, I wouldn't want to be isolated from my family for two, three months, would you? No, of course not. And, the, and I get it. Sam. There are people who are deployed. That was a word that Sam used. People who are deployed in the military who go away for long periods of time. But I'd say our national security is probably a tad bit more important than uh, a basketball tournament. Well, yeah, and they make that sacrifice, and, and we should appreciate that, too. Of course, and it's they not know easy it. To leave your and, loved ones for that period yes. of time, absolutely. And they know it going in. And these players probably <laughs> had no clue that anything like this would ever be required of them or asked of them.